Are you in a neurodiverse relationship? Well, I've been in one for 30 years. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism, a podcast for anyone living with a partner on the spectrum. I've got tips, techniques, and lots of funny stories that will help you navigate and understand the sometimes confounding behaviors of your neurodiverse mate. Listen in and find out what Touching the Tism is all about. Welcome back to another episode of Touching the Tism. Bill is here with me to discuss some challenges we go through on the merry-go-round from hell. Right, dear? Indeed. If you've listened to my other podcasts, you surely know what I mean by that. Those same old arguments that never seem to get resolved. Bill and I are going to discuss the awful circular arguments that people can get into and hopefully help you understand why those arguments are, well, they're hard to resolve for any couple, but harder to resolve in a neurodiverse relationship. So in the meantime, before we get into that, there's a couple of things I'd like to cover. If you have any suggestions on podcast topics that you would like for me to discuss, please contact me at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com. Would love to hear from you. And I would really enjoy knowing what my audience would like for us to talk about. Maybe things we've worked on, maybe not. Maybe I need to get other people on here that have gone through those things. So feel free to give me some suggestions. And if you're interested in being interviewed on Touching the Tism and telling us what it's like for you to be on a neuro, in a neurodiverse relationship, please, again, Email me at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com. In other news, I've been studying more and more on autism and neurodiverse relationships. I do my best to educate myself about what it's like to be in Bill's world because the more I know, the better off we, we can be. I've found some good resources to help us out, and one of them happens to be called Neurodiverse Love, by uh, which I found by sheer luck. I was actually contacted by Mona of Neurodiverse Love recently to be on her podcast, which I think is really lovely. I've listened to a lot of her podcasts, and they're really quite helpful for neurodiverse couples. Bill and I will be recording with her soon, so look for that to come out some somewhere in the first week of August or so. Mona interviews a lot of experts on autism and neurodiverse relationship, so I think that really is a great topic, obviously, for me. She has a super infectious laugh, and I really like how transparent she is about all of her own experiences with a long-term mixed marriage. You can find her on neurodiverselove.com, or if you just go to Spotify and put in neurodiverse love, she comes right up. Or you can even Google it, and you'll find her podcast, and I think you'll find them really helpful. Super inspiring. Anyway, I'll continue to let you guys know if I find helpful resources out there. In the meantime, if anyone is aware of a book written about relationships either by a neurodiverse person talking about ways to understand the neurotypical or an expert on neurodiverse relationships that is spoken from the aspect of 
the neurodiverse partner trying to understand NTs, uh, that would be super helpful. I'm, I'm really coming up short on that subject. There's a plethora of knowledge uh, for neurotypical partners to understand the neurodiverse, but not the other way around. And I'd really, really like to get my hands on some of that because, well, I'd really like for Bill to be able to understand me better. It could only be helpful, right? So today, Bill and I are going to go over a few things that have many times been insurmountable for us. Sometimes we prevail, and other times we fail miserably. You'd think that after all these years, we'd have all this down pat, but sadly, that is not the case. So we keep pecking at it. Luckily, we are both super hard-headed and stubborn and refuse to give up, so even if we don't really resolve things or, or make it through we just we just keep keep on working at it recently we were on the merry-go-round from hell again and this is where my episode came from today trying to understand uh, I spent a lot of I spent a lot of time after our argument studying communication uh, with neurodiverse people and I realized that I made some critical errors and that's part of the problem isn't it don't we all do that we know the right thing to do but in the middle of that argument uh, unfortunately we don't always get to do the right thing so the one thing that I've learned recently that gave me sort of that light bulb moment was if you recall I've said in the past that getting someone on the spectrum to do something that they don't want to do is almost impossible well, in my research, I found out that one of the reasons that that is so true is that they, if they don't see the validity in their own mind, of course, of doing the action or the activity, if there's no inherent worth to make that activity in their mind worthwhile, then it is illogical to do it. What a, a concept. And then there's another component that is, that many neurodiverse people are extremely internally motivated, so much so that getting them motivated to do anything that isn't important to them is damn near impossible. So this can lead to a whole host of conflicts in the relationship. So an, a perfect example from our family is Bill does not give a lick about presents, for example, like birthdays, Christmas, that sort of thing, totally um, not his thing. So he doesn't think other people sh care about it or should care about it. So, for example, that's a real sticking point in our, our relationship. So when he doesn't want to participate in present buying or party throwing, that can lead to criticism from me, which leads to conflict, which leads to communication ceasing. So if, uh, as the NT partner, we were to realize that uh, as a grown-ass man, as my, my son would say, he's responsible for his own actions and it isn't my place to jump in and act like his mom, things would go better for myself and him. Easy to say, hard to do. Furthermore, even if I suggest a course of behavior like, it's your daughter's birthday, I think you should call her, that can easily be perce perceived as critical, and then conflict occurs, which destroys communication, and it is so damn circular. 
So I'd like to start uh, some question and answer sessions here with Bill so we can get his perspective on how Indies understand things. I recognize he doesn't represent all Indies because they're just as diverse as NT people. But since he's the only one I've got, we're going to see what he has to say and hopefully give you guys uh, some tools uh, to deal with things. Bill, thanks again for going over all of this in a public forum. I'm so grateful you're willing to talk to us. I know this really isn't your thing. Greetings from Vulcan, and I wish that we could have some soundtrack music to this, like Communication Breakdown by Led Zeppelin. Well, maybe we should throw that in there. Um, no, we'd have to pay the, oh, right, the piper for right. that. Okay. First off, I'd like to address something that I feel is a real Achilles heel in our relationship, and probably lots of other indie couples as well. Uh, and I've corresponded with quite a few, so I've got a little bit of insight there. I'd like to ask you why, when I'm trying to help you with life situations, I mean, I do call myself your life dog, you know, sort of like, um, you know, a emotional support dog or something like that. So when navigating relationships with your children or grandchildren or pretty much anybody where I see that maybe... I might feel like you could use some help. Why are my suggestions almost instantly perceived as criticism? If it happens before the, before the event, that's all well and good for the most part. But during the event, you know that, and maybe this isn't typical, I know within my narrow part of the spectrum, we pride ourselves on, on dignity and, and not being corrected in public, even though Good leaders don't correct anybody in public. But nonetheless, I think that's the real sticking point for me is that I don't want to be criticized in situ in front of other people on modifying my behaviors to suit what you think it should be. Gotcha. Okay, so give us the MD, NTs out there, the neurotypical side of the fence. Give us some, some suggestions that would help us help you but without being perceived as critical. Because, see, we don't think we're being critical. We think we're helping. And sometimes, I, or most of the time, I would venture to say that you don't feel like I'm, I'm helping. So how could we come off as less critical in your ears? You do it beforehand or in an after-action review following the event or whatever the faux pas was. Then we review it in private. Okay, so um, so you, basically, you're saying if we set up expectations beforehand, that uh, that that's helpful, or discuss maybe what we would perceive to be a good way to navigate the relationship or the situation. You're shaping the conditions for success beforehand. Okay. All right. So do not critique or criticize in the moment. Well, you don't want to come off at, as a homunculus or a harpy. Oh, well, thank you for that. I just, I really appreciate that. You said Achilles, so I said homunculus. Okay. You know I love ancient stuff. Right. Okay. So anyway, um, so if your partner is a grown-ass man, as my son would say, or a woman, and it, it, it isn't your responsibility to be their parent. So in other words, sort of the success or failure of their relationships are on them. Sure, you can be helpful, but there are times you need to work on your own relationships. And we all know we cannot be held responsible for their actions. I have told many new friends that Bill is autistic, 
and said that he can be a bit different, so be aware of that. Then I know I need to just let the cards fall where they may and not get involved or apologize for maybe some of his awkward behaviors. First of all, it's embarrassing to Bill, which is something that I've recognized later on in our relationship. And really, if the relationship isn't if the people on the other end aren't going to understand who he is as a person or like him as a person and who he is, there's really nothing I can do about it anyway. Also, I want to throw in here, if your marital issue is one that you consider the merry-go-round and you are just struggling to work through this damn perennial problem, I suggest a few things that might help. Don't try to work it out when you're pissed off or they're pissed off. The fancy, more medical term is dysregulation. Basically, your emotions are not in check. Whether that be angry, hurt, frustrated, or whatever, it helps a lot if you just agree to come back to the issue later when everyone is calm because you know that your ND partner is going to look at things logically, of course, and if you or they are emotional, nothing is going to get resolved and you're just going to be right back on the merry-go-round from hell. Often texting and emailing when you are calm can help remove the emotions from the situation. And don't forget that your indie partner doesn't have to deal with trying to figure out your facial expressions or body language. It neutralizes a lot of things. Also, uh, they don't have to look at you, which is something that can be really challenging sometimes and can also be in an environment that is not overstimulating when they choose to read your email or your text or respond or whatever. So to reiterate, criticism is just super destructive to any relationship, but especially in a neurodiverse relationship. One of the things that I have really noticed about Bill is pretty much any comment of any kind on his behavior is almost instantly perceived as criticism whether that is my intention or not it is something that I find incredibly frustrating because of course there are times he comes to me and says hey you know Lilo you need to check yourself you've got this problem you've got this character issue you, you're doing this thing whatever it is that's driving me nuts and I wish you'd work on it and my first reaction is always oh Geez, I'm sorry. Now, of course, sometimes I'm like, hey, screw you, buddy. But a lot of times I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sorry. Okay, I'll work on that. And that is almost never Bill's reaction. Honey, could you elaborate on a, li a little bit about that? I would really love to understand that more of why, you know, even when my intentions are completely pure, why do you take some of the things I say as a criticism? Well, that tends to be because you will say things and sometimes it's either the register of your voice or I interpret it as micromanagement or nanomanagement and I simply don't like it. And sometimes you won't do it in the privacy of our own dwelling or car. You'll do it in front of other people. Yeah, and that's a no-go area for me. You've already said that, but I just mean in general, you know, say we're at home, we're not in public, anything like that. And I might say something like, hey, you know, the next time you're down at Chloe's, you might consider, you know, playing with the, the little grandson a little more or something like that. And it's instantly criticism. 
Can you think on that for a second? And I think it's because we're insular beings for the most part. You know, there's going to be left and right wings of that bell curve that will differentiate from that. But for the most part, we are very insular, self-driven, self-motivated. And we don't cotton to a lot of external criticism of our behaviors in the world. All right. Bill says uh, another thing he always says is he has a sensor list. Since he has a... C-E-N-S-O-R. Yeah. That's what I meant. People may think like a thermostat. No, I I think they know it. You don't know that. (sighs) Since he has a terrible time knowing what to say or especially what not to say when we are in a row, believe me, shutting down from an indie perspective is a real thing and super difficult to get out of if you have an indie partner that goes there. You don't want a sensor list if you can help it because... It becomes a way for your indie partner to restri- restrict their communication even further. And God forbid it gets worse, right? I mean, communication with a neurodiverse partner is the singular most difficult thing I have ever attempted in my entire adult life. And Bill says, well, if that's the worst thing that's ever happened to you. But trust me, NTs, you know what I'm talking about. It can be so frustrating. You just want to rip your hair out because what comes out of your mouth and goes into their ears is something completely different than what you intended. And I do think, sure, some guys, you know, who are NTs, they translate things differently and they don't quite understand what you mean, but they, you know, usually get it a lot of times not with bill and no many t- not no matter how many times i rephrase it or or go over it or try to make examples it it's not getting in and it can be a really really difficult situation especially when you're on the damn mer- merry-go-round and you are trying desperately to get off so anyway my next question here is uh, bill What goes through your mind when we are on the merry-go-round? I'm a little afraid to ask this question. And are you thinking of ways to, like, maybe resolve the issue? Or do you just, are you just sitting there in misery thinking, please, God, let this get over absolutely as soon as possible? What are you thinking when we're on the merry-go-round? Well, I don't enjoy it, and I wish it would get over really quick. It's sort of like taking a rhetorical hand grenade, removing the pin and putting it in my pants. And waiting for it to explode because it's not the most pleasant place to be in and I don't like it. Right. So what are you thinking? What's going over in your mind? Now, wait, I just want everyone to take a note here. Okay. This is what I, this is my life right here. You see how I asked him, what were you thinking? See, and he didn't, he didn't really answer the question. That's something that is incredibly confounding to me. If anybody knows the answer to why that occurs, would you please let me know? Because this happens over and over. Sometimes I might have to ask him four or five times the same question before I actually get him to, to answer it. So let's try this again. What are you thinking when you are on the merry-go-round? Thank the gods that you didn't say, what are you feeling? Because then I'd really be perplexed and confounded. But what am I thinking? All I'm thinking is I want to escape from that situation and fling myself from the merry-go-round, even if it meant bodily injury, just to get off of it, to stop the pain. (laughs) 
mean, what do you say to that, right? <sighs> okay. <sighs> All right. Anyway, one thing I've learned recently. Oh, I got to say something. One great thing about this podcast is he's trapped, right? I mean, he's sweet enough to come on here and do this and talk about things. And, you know, we BS back and forth and stuff. And he's a, quite the character, as you can tell. But it's, it's not only really therapeutic for us as a couple to come and share our hell <laughs> with you, but it's also great to listen to mostly, I would say, 95% unscripted answers from him. I do my level best. I do go over things with him because I don't want to throw him any you know terrible surprises, and I don't want him to ever feel disrespected or unvalued. I made that mistake early in our relationship when I didn't understand him at all. And so I don't want to go anywhere near that place ever again. So I want him to feel valued as he is because he's a a great man. But listening to what he has to say when I ask these questions, it just, yeah, it gives me a great perspective. I think it gives you a great perspective and, uh, in the end, if nothing else, you get a good chuckle, right? Anyway, so one thing I've learned recently is that a lot of ND people think that if you just lay that problem down and ignore it, all be, all will be well or seem good. There's a perception that a lot of ND people that I know, and I know quite a few now, that if you aren't talking about the problem or problems, well, there aren't any. There aren't any problems. And we NTs know that that is not the case. Are there neurotypicals that avoid conflict and don't want to talk about it? Sure. But it's a million times worse, in my opinion, uh, with NDs. So, um, you know, you could make it easier on yourself. Yeah. As an engineer, you, you know that if a problem is insoluble, mm-hmm. if there's no answer whatsoever in this mortal mm-hmm. coil, it's not a problem. Well, coming from my perspective, there if there's a marital problem, there is always a solution. Always. Somebody has to bend. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, I do feel like a lot of concessions have been made on both our parts sure. to maintain a 30-year relationship, no matter how challenging our speed bumps have been. And let me tell you, um, some of them have been mountains. But, uh, yeah, I really feel like in the end, um, if there's a problem, never give up. Never surrender. Never surrender. You just have to work on it. Uh, So one thing, um, let's see. We talked about NDs avoiding conflict, that uh, they can be really masters at that. And that's really frustrating for me personally. I don't know how you guys feel about it. But there's one question that I've found while researching that I thought was really brilliant that could really help you understand their perspective. Because in the end, right, um, we're as confounding as to them as they are to us. Okay, it's it's not just men are from Mars and women for are you know are from Venus. It's you know NDs are in a different galaxy. Okay than most NTs. Uh, I, I have zero communication difficulties with any of my girlfriends, with any of their husbands, with pretty much anybody I know. Uh, we're all pretty much able to communicate and talk about issues or problems, and, yeah, we, we get each other. They don't live with you. Oh, so why does it 
be, why is it so difficult uh, to communicate with my indie partner? I frankly, I'm I'm desperately trying to learn why, so we can um, improve because that is always the goal. I mean, maybe by the time we die, we'll have it, but we're certainly heading in the correct direction. But this question I found, I think, really takes a lot of the, hey, I'm right, and I said this, and this is what I mean, and you need to understand. It takes the focus off of me, 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 and puts you in the position of understanding. And in the end, if we understand, there is less conflict. So the question is, what do you need from me? And I just love that question. What do you need from me? Because obviously, there is something, right? Or there wouldn't be a conflict. So give that a try and see if that's helpful. Logic in, emotion out. Right. You know, but that's limited. That's limited for um, NTs, especially if they're ladies, you know. Yes. For women, uh, we relationships are pretty much our world. And uh, emotion, we're much more emotional, even though I consider myself... Empaths. A pretty highly logical woman. I still am. Well, by woman standards. Yes, that's what I just said. I think I'm pretty logical, but Bill is, you know, hyper logical, right? I mean, hyper logical. And uh, usually when we get on the merry-go-round, he tries to logic me to death. And it, it doesn't help at all. But if I can bring my emotion down and get nearer, to logic of course that really helps but anyway something I'd like to ask you as an autistic person what is the thing you find the most difficult in our relationship and why your lack of ability to communicate with me properly (laughs) I wonder if I kill him on (laughs) the air if yeah is anybody listening? <laughs> Hold still while I choke you. <laughs> Come on, elaborate, please. Remember that you think that there's value in the quantity of talk instead of the quality of talk, well, as a lot of women do. So you think? I just want you to get get to the uh, get to the brass tacks, get to the focus. Uh, evaluate what the proximate causes and root causes are of the current kerfuffle, and and let's address it. And not go on for hours and hours and hours where all I want to do, again, is take that grenade and take the pin out and put it in my pants. Sometimes (laughs) I wish you would, but, you know, right? We've all been there. So everybody has weak uh, links in their relationship, and I definitely know what ours is. Uh, What do you think it is? Communication. Oh, yeah. 100%. 100%. 100%. 100%. That's, that's 100%. probably the, uh, the loci and focus of all of our problems because you can't communicate clearly. Uh, I certainly <laughs> can. I communicate very well. Okay. Thank you. Okay. I think you hear things very differently. And if anybody cares, shoot me an email with some funny examples of uh, how your partner communicates or you communicate with your partner and what you said and what they heard. Let me tell you, I, I've got a, I've got an encyclopedia of those. So if you're in the middle of a merry-go-round argument, um, 
Another great question for you to ask that I find also uh, super helpful is, why is this so important to you? For me, being understood, whether anyone are, um, agrees with me or not, being believed is super important. The worst thing you can possibly do to me is not, not believe me. It's just awful. I just can't, you know, fathom why, if I'm telling the truth, why somebody wouldn't believe me. But finding out why something is so important to your ND partner or your NT partner leaves a lot of tension and helps you both see things more clearly. Because um, why is this so important to you? We all know that a lot of ND people have, well, some unusual, shall we say, requirements or habits or or things that they have to do or can't do or, or whatever. Only unusual on Earth, not Vulcan. Right. But we don't understand. As NTs, we're like, why do we have to leave the house at 501? You know, why can't we leave at 505? Who cares? But it might be very important to them for whatever reason that we leave at 501. Or maybe uh, like the sandals are left next to the couch and you pick them up every day and put them in the closet. Don't that, do that. <laughs> that, drives, that drives them crazy, right? And you get in an argument over it. Well, if you ask why is that so important... And you find out, well, maybe you can leave the sandals there, and it's it's not a big deal. It's ritual. Yeah, there, you guys have a lot of ritual, for sure. No doubt. So, um, babe, is there anything that you could throw? Could you throw a bone to, to your uh, to your indies? We'll start with them, your, your fellows, your, uh, your peeps. If they're on the merry-go-round, what would you advise them to do to help get them off? Hurl yourself off at the earliest possible moment and communicate as effectively as you can to stop oh, the pain. I'm not sure <laughs> why what... I ask him to do this. Uh, do you? Okay. Do you have anything more serious that you could add that for your fellow Indies that might help in the merry-go-round? Sure. Take the time to look your beloved bride in the eyes or, and try to figure out what the problem is and try to get to the bottom of it though, because you guys have this thing where you want to talk it out and you want to talk it out for, it seems like hours, but it'll be like I spent three weeks one evening discussing a problem. Let's not forget that there's lots of indie wives too. So sure. When I say peeps, I mean your entire indie universe, right? That includes Okay, but remember the indie universe is populated mostly by men, not women. It is. I mean a lot of yeah. yeah. It's definitely disproportionately male for sure. And I mean I'm a shout out to my Vulcan sisters. Okay. And what would you uh, advise for NTs of uh, regarding you guys uh Give us some tips about how we can get off the merry-go-round and diffuse the situation. Be patient, be direct, be focused, and practice a contest of generosities. And don't forget, be logical. Oh, what? yes. Logic in, emotion out. What's your sp uh, spot quote all the time? Good doctor, the... Oh, oh yeah. where, where he's addressing... Spock is addressing... He's addressing um, the doctor on the, the original Star Trek. <laughs> he's looking at them. 
Adam and he, and that brow goes up on Spock's face in the brilliant fashion that he does. And he says, Doctor, the torrential flood of illogic pouring forth from your mouth fascinates me. Imagine my life. <laughs> okay? I'm just saying. Anyway, so one thing I want to do to be perfectly clear about is just because we've been in a relationship for a very long time, Bill says uh, 200 and... How ten many? years. 210 years, because that's dog years, because he wants to extend the ecstasy. That's right. <sighs> Doesn't mean that we are in any way experts on the topic, nor do we pretend to be. We don't have this Pollyanna, Pollyanna relationship. Uh, it is anything but. That said, we have worked our asses off to get where we are right now, and we both try really hard to understand the person, the other person. It's far from easy, and... Uh, when we were still new in the relationship, not knowing that Bill was neurodiverse, we would get in a little tip, and Bill would stare blankly out into space and say nothing. It was awful. First of all, why in the hell would he not look at me in the face? It drove me nuts. I didn't know why, and neither did he. I mean, he couldn't answer. He couldn't tell me why that bothered him. So I'd talk for like 15, 30 minutes, whatever. I called it my monologue. I called it an eternity. <laughs> And then I'd say something like, so what do you think? And he'd go, okay. And that's it. That's all I would get. Okay. Or yes, dear. Make it stop. <laughs> it was just hideous. It's not perfect, but we made it a long way from that. So to tidy things up, there's a lot more to say on the merry-go-round topic. It's not fun and it's hard to overcome, but it is possible. Here are some tips that I hope you find helpful. Stop the argument. If you can possibly do so, step away. Step far away. Wait till everybody is calm. Emotions make everything worse, especially for an ND because, well, logic... Communicate through non-emotional vehicles like letters, texting, emails. Continue the damn merry-go-round at another time. Hey, honey, I'm sick of you. I don't want to talk about this anymore. How about tomorrow at 9 o'clock we continue the merry-go-round? It can really help. Is that where you send me off to be alone for a while? Oh, yeah. So terrible, right? Ask questions that take the focus off you, like what do you need from me? And why is this so important to you? Genuinely try to understand their side of things, no matter how frustrated you are. Like the questions that we brought up before, it really helps for understanding. And if you understand, there's less conflict. Have parameters or rules, per se, for your argument. Like, um, we are going to discuss this for 30 minutes and try to find a re resolution. Bill's over here laughing. Set a timer. The one person gets to talk for five to ten minutes with no interruption. Then the other person takes a turn. Then ask questions for another uh, five or ten or so. And try to find common ground. If you get nowhere, drop it. And try again another time. Don't quit trying to work it out, okay? It's, it's worth it. But as Bill would say, don't grind it into the ground either. So he doesn't have to put a, you know, a grenade in his pants. Oh, God. And always, in the end, if you just can't frickin' figure it out, seek help from a pro that specializes in neurodiverse relationships. We have found, and, and we've been to several, that regular marriage counseling to be absolutely positively useless. Absolutely useless. And why would you say that? Well, 
in one case, the marriage counselor was flirting with me. Yep, that was a that was a lot of fun. Yep, we had a great time then. Anyway, I hope we have given you even the least bit of insight into our merry-go-round from hell. We both wish you the best of luck on resolving your own merry-go-round issues or any issues at all, for that matter. Please feel free to contact me anytime at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com. And please send podcast topics you'd like to hear. Or if you're interested in being on the show, um, shoot me an email. Bill, do you have any last words before you're thrown off? The merry-go-round? No, it's just that I never like going on the merry-go-round. Yeah, nobody does. I always have a sad face on the merry-go-round. Oh, that's no good. Indeed. Anyway, thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. I hope you found some things that helped. And if you ever find yourself on the merry-go-round with your partner, do your best not to shove them off. This is Lilo Bupert, and you've been Touching the Tism.